I am really excited to do this episode because it's going to be where I get to dive into uh, how my movement started, what led up to my three-day demonstration, and what has happened since then. I do want to apologize up front for my raspy voice and for any coughing. I've had a cold for quite some time now, and I just didn't want to delay doing my episodes, so I'm going to be doing them with or without my voice. Um, so back in October, I started to notice that people were changing their Facebook profile pictures. And these profile pictures are well known. You see this across a lot of different organizations or groups, uh, particularly with the, the military and law enforcement. It's one of those where as soon as someone changes it to this design, you automatically know that someone committed suicide. A couple of my friends had posted about it, and so naturally I reached out and said, you know, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm here if you need anything. I'm praying for you. Um, because they needed that support during during this time and so over the the next couple of days i noticed that more people were starting to change their profile picture and so <clears throat> initially i assumed you know this was one death from one squadron and so you just kind of think all right you know this this person knew a lot of people, you know, the squadron as a whole is doing this. And uh, then I had someone else post about it. And I reached out as well. And, you know, I said, I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss again. And he said, this is actually a different suicide that happened. And so... At that point in time, I knew that there were there were two. And I was thinking, wow, that's a really short amount of time for two suicides to happen. And again, it wasn't really something that a lot of people were talking about. I think, you know, there were there was talk on Facebook and that was about it. And so one day I decided, you know, um, to kind of look into, well, what are some, what are some options that maybe the, the, the Air Force or the, the, the DOD could consider to help address suicide and prevention? And so I started to put together this pitch for peer support, a credentialed peer support program. And I am going to uh, dig deeper into that in another episode because that encounter really kind of got interesting, but I really want to save that for um, an entirely different episode. But anyway, so I had requested to have a meeting to talk about the idea that I had. And within the, the same day, I found out that there was a third suicide. And I'm just, again, in complete shock thinking, 
what is going on? Why do we have so many in such a short amount of time? So I had the meeting. I presented my idea. And this was back on October 30th. And then, you know, days go by and I'm thinking, you know, there's got to be something else that I can do. And I started talking with some friends and I started to become a little surprised at how many people didn't know that the suicides happened. And so my initial plan was to try and get a group of people together to hold supportive signs up on Missile Avenue. This is on the base before the Thanksgiving holiday because uh, we all know that the holiday season is a very vulnerable time for people who are struggling. And so I just wanted to get that positive, encouraging messages out to people because you just never know who would see it and need to hear it. So I'm talking about signs that say, you know, you are loved, you matter, you have a purpose, And uh, I never heard back about, um, you know, well, let's be honest, I I didn't hear back about it at all. So, um, which I, I wasn't quite sure why at first, but I decided, you know, that because of all the conversation I was having, and how many people were saying, you know, we had no idea, why, why isn't anyone talking about it? I decided that I would um, take my efforts to the city of Minot. So on November 14th, I decided to go buy two poster boards and some Sharpies. I go home and I'm trying to come up with, you know, what am I going to put on these boards and, you know, basically come up with a, with an idea for the design. I am not artistic whatsoever. Uh, I was not skilled in that in that area, so coming up with the design was was a challenge right off the bat. But I did my best, and uh, so the first board that I put together, I it said three airmen dead by at Minot Air Force Base by suicide, all in three weeks. We can't ignore this. And I finished it and I was set on going out on the 15th. And I had a place in mind that I wanted to do this. And so a lot of people asked, no, why did you pick the bridge? I picked the bridge because every time I drive it, my favorite part is when you get to the peak and you can see the, you know, the portion of the city at the bottom. And it's just, it's gorgeous. I love it. And it's also away from businesses. So, you know, I didn't want to be, cause any issues or be an issue uh, for any businesses that may not have wanted anybody out front. So I just felt like that would eliminate any potential issues. And I did call the Minot Police Department and... You know, they said it's really a 50-50, you know, as long as we don't get 
any form of complaints, uh, we, we wouldn't come out there for any reason. And so I, I took my chances and I went out there. <clears throat> Before I did, I sat in my car for probably a good 20, maybe 25 minutes. And I was just honestly super nervous. I wasn't sure what to expect. I wasn't sure how it was going to go. You know, I had questions like, you know, is this really going to go the way that I'm hoping it's going to? Am I going to make the difference that I want to? So I had all these questions going through my mind. And I called a friend. And I told my friend, you know, I, I really think I'm getting cold feet here. And my friend had the perfect response. And that response was, Lisa, anyone who knows you knows that you care about people and you care about them a lot. You were not given the skills and the talents and the passions that you have by mistake. You are out there to save lives. Just remember that. Remember what your purpose was. You got this. And then, of course, he ended with, if you get arrested, let me know and I'll come bail you out, which surprisingly made me laugh. But it also just really emphasized that I do have some really amazing and supportive friends in my life. So I finally get the courage to do it. And I'm, you know, tell you, I had my hand on the door handle at least 30 different times. And I finally get out, go to the other side of my car, get the board, get my phone and my gloves. And I start walking up and I get to the bridge. And I kind of walked a little bit on the bridge to kind of find the best uh, location that I thought would be in good view for the, for drivers. And, um, Honestly, I took a deep breath and I said, well, here we go. And I held my sign up. And I just remember that first moment feeling super empowered that I was in the moment doing what I really believe was right. And I just really wanted to have that, you know, shown to people. And over time, I had people start honking. I had people start waving. I had people who stopped in the road to talk to me and people that stopped and walked up and, and chatted with me as well. And um, some of the stories that I heard were... Um, very emotional, very um, hard to listen to without getting sad, mad, frustrated because of how many people have been affected by suicide. Either they have they're survivors and they um, or they've known people who have died by suicide their stories of trying to seek help and being turned away. And a majority of the people that I talked to 
were veterans and people within the local community in a number of different professions. And I had one person in particular who stopped and said, you know, thank you so much for what you are doing. We see airmen too frequently who are attempting suicide. And they said, and you see these young airmen and you see that they are terrified. You see the fear in their eyes. And they said, and it's not death that they're afraid of. They're terrified and afraid of their leadership finding out and they are scared of what's going to happen to their career. This is not something that is talked about enough. And I'm standing there on the bridge listening to this and I start to think, oh my gosh, how many other people are affected by this? Not just the base, but the community in general. Who responds to these calls? We have our EMS, we have our law enforcement. And then they go to the hospital and then there's medical staff that, you know, help them and, and pray and hope that they are able to save each life. And unfortunately, that is not always the case. And then when our EMS and our law enforcement and our medical staff go home at night, they have to live with what they have seen. And to see the pain that they experienced through it just really, really solidified that I am doing the right thing. And the stories that I heard from veterans, there was not one that didn't know someone who died by suicide or that had attempted or was struggling severely with an alcohol addiction a drug ad or drug addiction in the service and outside of the service. How many said, I tried to get help and I never got it. In fact, I was forced out. We have service members who have to basically end up choosing. Do I seek help and potentially lose my career and my ability to serve my country? Or do I suppress it and keep it away and not talk about it like I'm encouraged to? And sure, the organization, you know, they won't say we deliberately discourage anyone from seeking help, but there are procedures and, and treatment that we don't always know about or hear about that airmen are subjected to that push them to not talk about it. 
Airmen are scared of being dropped from their PRP. They are scared of getting their responsibilities taken away from them, which adds more stress and more uh, tasks on the airmen in their shop. They don't want to add stress to anybody else. And the fact that the more, you know, that I was talking to other people, the more that I started to see a a very um, concerning pattern, which was that many were just not getting the support that they needed. And some of the programs that were in place ended up actually making things worse. And this may not be something that has happened at every base, um, but we need to acknowledge that you know, we need to make sure we have qualified people who are in these programs helping airmen. Uh, you know, we should not be lowering any type of qualifications because we are entrusting people with vulnerable airmen who need someone who is there and, and um, dedicated to supporting them and helping them along the way. You know, the organization as a whole talks about, you know, the mission comes first. But we need to quit separating the two. We need to focus on a solution that allows them to seek help and still get the mission done. And for me, I'm thinking we need protections. So this was something going through my head when I'm I'm talking to, to veterans and people out on the street was... What I'm hearing is, is that there's not enough protections for the airmen who come forward and say they need help. There are more consequences than good things that come from it. And so, you know, I, I keep thinking, I have, you know, everything is just rolling in my, my head at this point of, you know, I need to remember this, this point, and I remember this, and... <clears throat> And kind of try and tie it all together to, to, to kind of figure out why these suicides are happening. And um, <clears throat> later in the day, uh, <clears throat> the city of Minot, the, the mayor, Tom Ross, stopped by to talk. And so, you know, <clears throat> he, you know, he was very interested in what my end goal was and, you know, asked, well, you know, what is this all about? And so, you know, I told him, you know, why I'm out here, uh, policies that I felt like needed to get changed. And, um, and towards the end of it, you know, he had mentioned, you know, that there was a town hall later that night and, um, asked if I knew about it. And I said, yes, I'm planning to be there for it. And that was, that was it. But throughout the rest of the day, I still talked to a large amount of people and continued to stay up on the bridge. Later that night, I went to, and sorry, this is November 15th, the, the first day that I was out on, out, out on the bridge. Later that night, I attended the town hall meeting that took place on the base. And I brought up the exact same thing. I brought up uh, the increasing suicide rates, the barriers that airmen are facing to seek and get 
uh, mental health treatment. And then also the saturated alcohol culture that you see time and time again being tied directly to suicide, DUIs, uh, fatalities and car crashes, sexual assault, and other risky or dangerous behaviors and other related offenses. And I will never forget ending my time to speak by saying, if we do not address the barriers to mental health help and not address the alcohol culture, we are going to continue to lose airmen. And little did I know that two nights later, November 17th, an airman was drinking and driving and he had a fellow airman as a passenger in his vehicle. He crashed his vehicle into a tree and the passenger was killed. So I didn't find out about this until the Sunday after I was headed back to Minnesota for a family funeral and I was just completely crushed and frustrated because what is really frustrating is to speak out so passionately about things that you know are going severely wrong <clears throat> only to have something happen that solidifies your concerns. And uh, so anyway, back to the bridge on... So I was out there Thursday, and I was out there Friday, and uh, I completely overwhelmed, I'm completely overwhelmed by the experience that I had, the ability to speak with so many people from the community, and um, it was a life-changing experience. And I apologize, I will probably get emotional through this, um, but it just, I'm speaking from my heart, this is not scripted, this is coming from, from my heart. Um, I am passionate about this because I myself am a survivor of attempting suicide. I attempted twice before I was 12. I had a very traumatic childhood. Um, so I can relate to what it feels like to be at rock bottom, to want to end my life and to feel alone, to feel like you have to hide from the world, that you have to hide what happens to you and not talk about it and to pretend like you're strong um, because you fear that rejection. You fear what people think of you. And uh, so it's, um, and I've lost at least three classmates. Um, I went to different schools, but I've lost at least three. And I know of more, but from my class, I, I know of three that um, died by suicide. And one was actually, um, was serving in the military as well. And uh, so it's uh, just something that obviously I'm very passionate about. It's... Um, I 
our service members, they serve our country. They're told, you know, that they have, you know, the best health care. They're going to get the best care. And parents are entrusting the organization with their daughters and their sons. They don't want to send their kids to the military and find that they die by suicide or fall to addictions. And I think that's really telling. Um, I had attended the um, Minot Police Department's Citizens Academy. And it was a three-day... Um, I can't remember if it was three or four days. But I think it was three days where you would go and you'd get to sit in on um, a lot of different... Um, presentations and get to know about what what our officers do on a daily basis and ask questions there were a lot of forums and I was just completely thrilled to go to this because I it's always I think it's amazing to get some insight and see firsthand what different professions do and I have a lot of overwhelming support for our law enforcement um and so at the end of it, we had the opportunity to do a ride-along for getting to go out and on dispatch with an officer. And I remember that I signed up for it and something came up and it needed to get rescheduled. And so we figured out a new date and time. And I believe that that was for a reason. And the reason was, was that on that particular dispatch, we were called out to the scene of an airman who had attempted suicide. It was like I was meant to be there. It was really hard because it brought back a lot of memories. Um, But what were the chances of me being there that night with that particular officer and be called out to that? And then a year later, being so motivated and dedicated to talk about this, um, I think that, like I said, I am not a person that believes things happen by chance. I believe everything happens for a reason. Everything in my life has led me up to who I am and where I am today. And I do really believe that, you know, I uh, have always had this part of me that um, is drawn to being an advocate. I um, always help people no matter, no matter what. I, I do what I can. That is just who I am. And I have my, I have my parents to, to thank for that. And 
I really think that um, the person that I am today is because, you know, they um, had shown that to me. Everything that I am is, is basically emulated through them. All right, so let's talk about some of the statistics. These numbers are all public. You can look this up. It's public knowledge. It all comes down from the Department of Defense and the Department of Veterans Affairs. The first report that I was going to go over comes from the Defense Suicide Prevention Office, and this uh, quarterly report breaks down the number of suicides per branch in four different quarters throughout the year. So, so far in 2023, we have a reported number of 34 suicides in the Air Force and a total for all the branches on the active side of 177. And this is through quarter two, and those dates would be from April 1st to June 30th. Quarter three would include numbers from July 1st to September 30th, and quarter four would be October 1st through December 31st. And the other one I wanted to bring up was um, there is a statistic um, that I found on the Stop Soldier Suicide Facebook page. Their statistic is, is taken from the Department of Veterans Affairs, and I've confirmed that. It's from their National Veteran, Veteran Suicide Prevention Annual Report, and this one was of 2023. They confirmed that we lost 6,392 veterans to suicide in 2021 alone. 6,392 veterans to suicide in 2020-21. Uh, Frank Kendall also goes on to acknowledge these numbers in a uh, article written just this year in August from the Air Force Times where he confirms and says around 25 of every 100,000 troops die by suicide each year. That is compared to the national rate of 15 suicides per 100,000 Americans. And this is reported by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Again, it doesn't take much to look up uh, a lot of different articles where they do, in fact, you know, confirm high rates and, and high numbers. Um, but it just doesn't feel like there's much that they do about it. How do we look at these numbers and think that there's not a, that there's not a huge issue? Um, the other one I wanted to bring up was, and this one is um, <clears throat> one that I think a lot of people probably know about. Um, let's see here. We have lost about 30,177 active duty and war veterans of post 9-11 conflicts. So that's in comparison to the 7,057 killed in post 9-11 war operations. So that right there says we're, we are losing 
a profound number of service members and veterans to suicide than combat alone. And I stick by what I said in one of the um, articles and an interview that I had gone through. And I said, you know, one of the biggest wars and battles that we're facing here on American soil is a suicide and the mental health crisis. And it does not take much, like I said, to find these numbers and find articles. If you just type in military suicides, military suicide rates, you'll have a huge amount of articles that will pop up talking about, you know, within just the last month, you know, the Space Force came out with the in, with the Air Force Times talking about their records for suicides since founding in 2019 and how the Marine Corps is grappling with highest suicide rates. It's, this is nothing new, unfortunately, and I don't like to say that, but this is nothing new that our military has been struggling with. All right, so let's talk about the name of this episode. I spend a lot of time trying to get creative and find catchy titles for episodes. And as I mentioned before, that was not really a strength of mine. And so I talked with other friends and I had a veteran who responded and gave me that idea. And as soon as I read it, I felt like it was just an instant, this is the one that I want to go with. So I do not claim any credit whatsoever for the uh, name. But what it reflects is, and what I mean by this, is we need leadership that is willing to distinguish themselves, to set themselves apart, and put integrity and those true core values that the organization talks about and doesn't just preach it but practices it. We need leadership that encourages airmen to come forward and to to seek the help that they need and to create and foster the environment to prove that they're that they're going to be supportive and foster the environment comes from um, I'm using that from the the memorandum that came out because I think those are very powerful words and in order to do that you need to have leadership in place that is um, going to be committed to that and I just think it would be great to see somewhere down the line, whether it's in one of the military branches, if it's at the DOD level, but for people in those leadership positions to stand up and say something and speak out about it. And unfortunately, I think there's a lot of leaders out there that are a little more concerned about promoting and making their next rank than to address issues that might put them, you know, 
in a particular spotlight that may not be positive at first. But honestly, I'm not sure why anyone would be put in or thought of in a negative way who's out there trying to save lives. I don't see why we should have anybody that is a fear, fearful of you know, uh, repercussions for, for speaking out on, on changes that need to be made. And if there are things happening, that just shows that there's a much bigger issue than we, you know, originally thought. Um, but yes, I just wanted to kind of explain a little bit about the title of it and that it's actually very meaningful to me because of what it represents and, and what it is really talking about. And I just think we need to really think about how much this whole topic just gets hushed and that there is the fear out there of talking about it. And this doesn't just stem from leadership. This is, you know, this also gets put on to, you know, military spouses. I've talked to military spouses who say they are scared to speak up and say something because they're scared of what's going to happen to their spouse. And it shouldn't be that way. We should not have people terrified of, of losing their livelihood um, or something happening to their um, loved one's careers because they want to speak out on, on issues as well. So again, there's just that pattern. It's like there's that ladder of fear that affects a lot of people and I think that needs to be looked at honestly I think that that needs to be um, taken very seriously and and changes being made to to stop that from happening thank you again for tuning in to this episode I will see you next time